Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on this BFC Live, we connect with Nick Pateras of Materia, talking about European cannabis, where they are today, where they'll be tomorrow, what it means for the rest of the world. Enjoy this BOC Live conversation with Nick Pateras, Managing Director for Europe for Materia. Nick Pateras, everybody's favorite, I don't know, Canadian abroad, UK born cannabis man about town. Jay Rosenthal, everyone's favorite. Beard. media guru and interviewer of all things all things good cannabis well i don't know about any of that but i i know you i like you we miss you here in canada you are now in london you're heading up materia in europe um in a snapshot well first of all how have you been second of all in a snapshot tell me how the european market is emerging i've been great the material project is going really well. Um, so we've been on this journey for about two years and it's been a, it's been a great two years despite all the impact of the pandemic, which, which we can talk about. Um, but overall, really amazing, really special. Special group of people for sure, working on I think a special vision. And so yeah, extremely fulfilling. Um, and on the European market, things are really interesting. Uh, I think people, two years ago thought Europe is go was going to grow faster than it has. And in some ways that thesis has been true. It hasn't hockey stick growth. Like, you know, you haven't seen the legalization of cannabis in, for example, France in the way that people expected. Um, but the maturity of the market is starting to emerge in a way there's some really interesting markers that suggest we're past chapter one and into chapter two or three. So global supply chains are now in place and established. You've got patients who are much more discerning about the quality of cannabis, physicians who are much more discerning, governments who are actually aware of it um, and asking all sorts of very nuanced, detailed questions of themselves and of companies participating. So Europe's a, it's a very interesting and exciting place to, to be right now because I think we're on the cusp of a real inflection point in the market. So it's been a lot of fun. And, and in that, in that, are, are there things that are um, similar the way other markets that you've been part of have developed and things that are markedly different? Um, I want to think especially as it relates to sort of capital markets, because, you know, the Canadian Securities Exchange was the cannabis, you know, Securities Exchange. But, but that has been slower on the European front, I think, than what has happened either in the US or in Canada. Yeah, so on the public markets front specifically, I mean, the London Stock Exchange now has two or three publicly listed companies. Uh, those all floated in the first quarter-ish of this year, and there was massive appetite for those. So kind of in the same way as if you rewind, rewind it to, I guess, 2016-ish, maybe a little earlier, um, when all the Canadian LPs started to find their way onto the TSX venture, um, or maybe the MSOs onto the CSC as well, there is a real appetite for investing in the space. So I think that's, that's definitely prevalent and targeting the LSE I know is a big uh, focal point for a lot of European operate, operators generally. So that's definitely there. 
At the same time, I think there is more of a degree of caution on the part of investors to actually ask, okay, tell me more in more detail about what are the timelines on what you say you're going to do? What are the actual hurdles to getting there? So I think the investors are asking more sophisticated questions um, and just drilling down into revenue assumptions on a more realistic basis. So, you know, we can't talk about this, the, the wild revenue ramp that some of the Canadian LPs may have predicted <laughs> in, um, in, their, uh, in their projections. We're, we're still so, waiting on some of those. Right, right. Yeah. Who, who knew the, uh, the black market wasn't going to convert on day one all at once? Um, so there, it's good because you just have a, a more sophisticated level of understanding across the investor base generally and more advanced conversations as a result, which is good because it, it, it separates those who are, you know, posturing or embellishing a little bit from those who are kind of, you know, regulatory focused, very into government affairs and understand how fast or slow things move. Yeah, I want to go into Materia specifically because there was an announcement last week that your facility in Malta, you're going to tell me if I'm getting any of this wrong, your facility in Malta received EU GMP certification. Did I get that right? Correct, correct. We did. Which is a very high bar and hurdle, but specifically, what does that actually mean for you and people you work with? Yeah, so it, it puts us in a very small uh group of companies anywhere in the world who have a GMP certification for manufacturing of cannabis. And just to be clear, we don't actually cultivate in the site. We, from the beginning, architected the business to be capital light and specifically wanted to stay away from cultivation ourselves. We always thought that it was a very, or it is, a very tricky uh, vertical to get right. And as a capability, we rather rely on our international supply partners to do that for us. So we've been working on this facility for over two years, actually. And effectively, what we did was th this facility was once actually an order repair shop. So it's been transformed completely into what is now a narcotics processing facility. Um, and the GMP certificate essentially validates that everything we intend on doing in the facility is up to EU GMP standards, which, as you know, is the global gold standard for pharmaceutical manufacturing. So the facility allows us to bring biomass in um, and then process it into GMP. There's an interesting regulatory nuance in Malta where what we import into Malta, it doesn't actually need to come from an EU GMP certified facility. And Malta is one of very few countries in Europe that actually permits for that kind of import. Um, so we import it, we can process it into GMP and then sell it across Europe um or any markets around the world like brazil for example that requires ugmp2 and then we can also do oils processing as well and that's subsequent to the certificate we just got issued but that's kind of the, the the overall plan so the gmp certification is just a marker of all this work we did to transform what was like i mentioned a uh, an auto repair uh, st uh shop basically into something that has the security level of narcotics processing all the QP, QA uh, controls in place. And yeah, manufacturing a pharmaceutical herbal product. I love it. And it's, it's uh, interesting because it comes, you're talking about when you left Toronto, like the two year run since you've been there, um, I always give lots of credence to people who say the same thing two years hence. Um, but, but when you left and you started talking about it and we were talking to the team material about Malta, what it was gonna mean, what it meant for the market, and how the European market was going to advance and develop, like those are the same things you're sort of uh, 
bring it to life now, right? It hasn't shifted dramatically. It hasn't like, this was the plan. We got to get to Malta. We're going to get this facility, this facility, we're going to get certified EU GMP because it opens up Europe and Malta is this unique place. Like all of those things. Um, you talked about earlier that the market hasn't developed as rapidly as, um, as it did in the US or in Canada, sort of the hockey stick growth. But I wonder if that's not to the advantage of the market itself and to companies like Materia that have said, like, we understand where the market is going, whether it happens a year, two or five from now, we are going to be in position to do that as opposed to like shifting to where the money was flowing, like some in Canada did. And that's why we have 100,000 million square foot um, greenhouses, right? But like that idea that like understanding where, the, where it's going and the timeline is the question, but understanding where it's going is, is the critical thing. And like, are you seeing that the companies in Europe that you're talking to on a regular basis are better prepared for what is coming next because markets in the cannabis space have come before them? I think so, for sure. Um, partially because internally they're making sure they're budgeting properly. And also because, like I mentioned earlier, they're getting the, the sharper questions from investors. And, you know, to say that Europe hasn't grown in the last two years would, would, would not be true. It's actually has very healthy growth. And I, and I think it's healthy in the sense that it's not triggering a, an influx, a flood of competitive entrants. Um, instead, there are companies who are coming in realizing what the actual growth ramp is and kind of managing capital accordingly. So in Germany, for example, the market was doubling every year um, for the first three years of the medical cannabis law that was, was implemented in 17. Last year, it still grew 37%. Um, that's pretty incredible growth. It's not you know a doubling again or a tripling again like people may have expected, but at some point you have to realize that you, you're just not gonna keep doubling in perpetuity. So as long as you understand that, um, then I think, yeah, and you can manage your capital needs, then you, you'll be in a good place. So we're still excited about the, the growth of the market and its future potential too. So you've got countries around Europe who are either broadening medical cannabis laws or legalizing medical access for the first time. And some companies, uh, although we're focused only on the medical space, um, but some companies who are now able to come in through a recreational play too, because uh, not a lot of people know, but Holland is putting in place a federal experiment for, for adult use access, Switzerland, the same thing. And we're still waiting on Luxembourg, whose, go, uh, whose government as a coalition promised for an adult use uh, framework. And they're three years into their five-year government. So we, you know, hopefully see that bill quite soon. So things are happening. Things are happening. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I like to hear that because it's it's a it's a positive ramp up as opposed to some. I think we hear a lot of negative news about the Canadian realm and what's happening here. And and uh, there was actually uh, uh, yesterday, um, Hexo is acquiring Forty Eight North. Like a lot of reconfiguring of of some of the players that were well known are now reconfiguring for the future, hopefully. But yeah. but it's uh, it's a lot of like reconfiguring for the future we sort of know as opposed to this net new markets coming online, which is, I think, sometimes a more fun conversation because it's it's all ahead as opposed to like reconfiguring. Um, let me ask you a final question. And that is, I mean, you've obviously spent time here. You spent a lot of time in Europe. You, you watch, as we all do actively, what's happening in the US. Like, is there a time you believe that this will be uh, like, like an international market, like a lot of other things, like a lot of commodities that move around the world, that is, you know, it grows where it's cheap to grow, it's manufactured where it makes the most sense, and it's got, it gets to patients and others uh, in, the, in the easiest way possible. Like, wh where are we on that sort of spectrum or time horizon in your view? 
That's a great question. Um, we are already seeing a global supply chain infiltrate the European market. So two years ago, you would have said that all of Germany, <clears throat> which for listeners is the most important market in Europe, it's actually bigger than the sum of every other European market combined. So we always say it's markets one, two, and three in terms of priority for us. Two years ago, Germany was supplied solely because uh, solely through Canadian LPs and the one Dutch cultivator, Betrocam, exclusively. Uh, those two sources. Since then, uh, or you know, fast forwarding today, we have products that are produced in Uruguay, products that are produced in Israel, Denmark. Soon we're going to have German cultivated cannabis on the market as well later this year. So all of that is really happening. I think you will see an international supply chain established on the medical side of things. The recreational side, no time soon. We're talking decades away because of the UN treaties that just are way too complicated um, and politically explosive for, for that to be changed. But you will see an international supply chain on the medical side. I think a lot of that is going to be around, to your point, accessing uh, low-cost biomass where it's cheaper to cultivate and then also where IP resides. So licensing IP or, or bringing in IP um, from other places, potentially Canada. I think that's probably the one thing the Canadians still have to fight for is their leadership in, in and expertise and knowledge on how to actually produce high quality medical cannabis. Um, and that's probably how the, the dust will settle on things is that you know, at, at, you'll source low cost inputs from around the world as they become available, but you'll try to apply a layer of knowledge and IP where, um, where potential for you to expand your margins. Yeah, and, and last final question, Nick, and this is what I'm sure lots of viewers and listeners of Business of Cannabis wanna know is when are you coming back to Canada? I hope, I hope this summer. I hope this summer. I've I've got my first um, vaccination, second one soon. So honestly, it's as soon as I can come back and not quarantine, and then we can all do a big cash up as an industry. Well, that'll be then people will start lobbying. Let's free Nick from the the quarantine. Um, <laughs> we'll start I'm a hashtag. People, I'm looking forward to seeing people. I I actually it was funny. I um I had a very vivid dream just a couple of days ago, uh, where I was actually at a cannabis store buying cannabis beverages because I haven't tried one of these uh, yet. So I'm quite keen to try what a, you know, a, a, a proper 2.0 beverage product looks like. I've tried the US ones, but not the, um, not the Canadian brands yet. So I'm even dreaming about coming back and buying legal adult use cannabis. That is a very weird dream, but you are, uh, you're, you're a longtime cannabis person. So it makes, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Nick, <laughs> it's always good to connect with you. We appreciate the perspective. We love seeing your face. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in person and thanks for your time. My pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me as always. That was Nick Pateras of Materia talking all things cannabis in Europe. If you like this program, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you hear your podcast. It helps support the work we do. Thank you for joining us on B of C Live today. We're able to do what we do thanks to our ongoing partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Headset, Gallagher, and Torque and Maine.